Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. So, I love track and field. I enjoy watching it. I used to compete in it. Even into my 50s, I was still running 5Ks pretty competitively. And uh, so I love the stories of people. I, Kathy used to think it was really weird, and she probably still would if I still did it. But I used to watch triathlons on TV. And those take a long time where they have stories of different people and their history and their running. And, and uh, she'd say, give me a football game, dude. You know, and, uh, uh, but I, I enjoy watching that. And this is one of my favorite track and field stories from the last decade or so. And uh, some people overcome great adversity. Uh, the young man in this picture is named Wayne Van Neckert. And the older woman beside him is Tani Ansbotha. And they lived in South Africa, and she became his coach. In her 70s, she was one of the oldest coaches out there, and she didn't have great facilities. They often trained on a dirt track. But she knew a bit about running, and she had a great heart, and he worked hard, and he learned, and uh, so he learned about life, and about character, and about running from his coach. In 2016, Wayne qualified for the Olympics. Uh, his coach was net then 74 years old, and Tanish was sitting in the stands watching and cheering him on, and they were both very excited when he qualified for the 400-meter finals. In the final race, uh, the, the winner is going to get a medal, well, the first three are going to get Olympic medals. But in track and field, in, in races where you have to stay in your lane, uh, the middle of the track is the best place to be. Um, and they started staggered starts because they go around corners. And so he got the very outside lane. Now, no one had ever won from the outside lane uh, because the outside lane is the worst lane of all. Uh, the next worst is the inside lane. Uh, the middle ones are a lot better. But in the outside lane, everybody's behind you. You never see anyone else until you're coming down the final straightaway and all the, both of the corners have been run and you're just finishing the race. He had no idea where he was in comparison to anybody else until the race was almost over. And he won. He not only won, he set a new Olympic and world record. And so she's there in the stands cheering for him, and he fit across the finish line in first place, set a new world record. It shocked everybody because that record had stood for almost 17 years, 16 years, 11 months, and some days, uh, that record had stood. And so it seemed almost unbreakable for a while. And to do it from the outside lane was remarkable, especially that the guy who did it was a kid who trained on a dirt track. So he overcame a lot of adversity. And you know, we love stories where athletes overcome adversity. And we love it where they, they uh, persevere and they win the game or the match or the race. And we love to hear those stories. 
And did you know that God loves to hear his kids persevering as well? Uh, he cheers us on and wants to see us thrive even under difficult circumstances. In fact, God loves it so much that one of the parts of the fruit of the Spirit uh, that he gives to equip believers is long-suffering. And so, uh, you know, love, joy, peace, we, we, oh man, we're into that, right? Long-suffering. I mean, how many of you have stood up at a testimony time and, you know, I praise the Lord that he's given me long-suffering to deal with that person right over there. <laughs> we don't do that. We might think that, and by the way, I was not pointing anywhere near Kathy. I was pointing over here just to clarify. Okay? Uh, of, of the two of us who has to put up with, we all know who it is, right? Uh, she has to put up with more. But, but we're going to look just a moment in Galatians 5. We're doing a series on the fruit of the Spirit, and that's one of the reasons why we have these banners up here. And so we're going to look here for a minute, and then we're going to look at a couple other passages of Scripture in Philippians 1 and in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, and we'll be in those in just a minute. Uh, but long-suffering is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, there's only one fruit of the Spirit, and so all of this is supposed to show up. You can't say, man, I do great on 7 out of 9. No, it's all nine of these things are what the Holy Spirit wants to do working in your heart and in your life. And you can resist the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. But if you're partnering with the Holy Spirit, if you're walking, trying to follow Jesus Christ, then these things are going to start showing up in your life. Amen. Now, uh, praise God, we get to change. We're not stuck. We can grow. We can mature. And so these things might not be as fully developed right now as they will be in a year or two, uh, but keep growing. Keep maturing. Uh, see, uh, let's look at Galatians 5, verses 22 and 3. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such, there is no law. So this is the fruit of the Spirit. So just as healthy trees naturally produce healthy fruit, so the Spirit naturally gives you the ability to be long-suffering if you are truly trusting and following Jesus Christ. You have the capacity to go through a lot of stuff and still follow Christ. Uh, some of you have had to go through a lot of stuff. Some of you are going through a lot of stuff right now. But the, the God who saved you, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he now equips you to handle what's happening in your life. Now, some Christians have a lot of anxiety. They worry about all kinds of things. And we can avoid anxiety, and we can grow and mature in the face of adversity. Amen. And so what we're going to look at this morning is how this can flesh out into your life. And so we're going to look in Philippians chapter 1, and uh, then we're also going to look, uh, jump to another passage and then come right back to this. 
But we are looking at the fruit of the Spirit. We're doing a series on this. We took a break for Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, but we're back and, and we're now picking up the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. So all of these things should be growing and maturing in your life. But today we're just going to focus on this one. Now, long-suffering is not just waiting patiently for something to happen, like the light to turn green or something like that. Long-suffering is not just a little bit of patience. It is the patient endurance of the in the difficult things and with the difficult people in the difficult days of your life. Long-suffering is, it's a great word. Some of the other translations will say things like patience or endurance. One says patient endurance. Uh, but long-suffering is a great word. It just, you get this image of long-suffering, right? <laughs> You're putting up with it over time. It's, it's not a little tiny cold that you have. It's a chronic illness. It's an ongoing situation. And so I love the, the translation of long-suffering. And so, again, long-suffering is the patient endurance of the difficult things and difficult people in the difficult days of your life. How many of you have ever had a difficult day in your life? Now, don't point. How many of you have had to endure a difficult person? Don't point anyone. You've endured, and, and you've had difficult circumstances that you've had to go through. We've been there. We've done that. And the Holy Spirit equips us to be better able to do it better in the future. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who equips us and prepares us for life. Life can easily overwhelm us on our own. We desperately need your strength, your grace, your mercy, and we need your capacity for long-suffering. And as Jesus endured all things for our salvation, so we can endure all things in faithfulness to him. And so I pray that you would Give us that capacity. Help us this morning to see it from Scripture, how it can work out in our lives. And thank you that this is what the Holy Spirit is already doing in us and for us and through us for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now let's turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Paul describes a few difficult things in his life, and then we're going to jump to a passage in 2 Corinthians 11, and then we're going to come right back to this. So uh, Philippians chapter 1, look in verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. He's talking about difficult things in his life. Now, when Paul's writing this letter, which is a letter filled with joy and the promise of joy, he's actually under house arrest in Rome while he's writing this book. And he writes about the joy in his life. He's got one hand chained to a Roman soldier every moment, every day. 
the soldiers change out, but Paul does it. Now, maybe they let him switch hands for a while so that, you know, to let his wrist have a break. I don't think the Roman soldiers were very considerate of the uh, difficulties of the prisoners. So, but he was chained to somebody 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and he writes about awesome joy. Now he's writing in this book on awesome joy, he's writing about how these very things have actually helped further the gospel. So he says in verse 13, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Amen. See, he, Paul described it as being set for a defense of the gospel. We'll read that in just a moment. But, but he said that everybody knows this is why I'm here. How do you think everybody knew? Paul was talking about it. I just picture the guards coming in. You know, they changed out sometimes every four hours, sometimes every six hours, depending on the rotations they had going on. And a new guard would come in and get chained up to Paul. And Paul would say, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he'd start sharing the gospel with them. And there were believers in Caesar's household. And they were the soldiers that got sent there to keep Paul under house arrest. God's amazing. Verse 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, the other believers, having become more confident by my change, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. All right, we're going to pause right here. We're talking about the difficult things in Paul's life. Now, if I asked you about difficult things in your life, some of you could share about... Um, uh, about addictions that you've had to endure. You could share about marriage difficulties. Some of you could share about a spouse who cheated and caused problems and difficulties in your life and still causes some. And you could share about health issues and financial struggles. And we could share about all kinds of things. But did you know that the Apostle Paul had some specific problems in his life that were a little more intense than some of the problems I've had in mind. So uh, mark your spot here if you can, and, and flip over to uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, we're going to look at some of the things that Paul said he had to endure. Now, if you've been around here, you know I've had some pretty significant health issues, but nothing as bad as what Paul's gone through. So, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 23. Verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. Paul said, this is going to sound foolish. He's bragging about his problems. But he said, I am more a minister of Christ. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often or facing death. He didn't die more often than they did, just facing death. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. It was said that 40 stripes could kill a man. Five times he received 39. Where they would drag a kind of nine tails across his back and just rip the flesh all over his back. He had scars everywhere on his back. He had one heel up and then he had it happen again. And that healed up a little and that happened again. Then he says, three times I was beaten with rods. In Singapore, they call it caning, uh, beating somebody with cane poles. 
beaten with rods, pieces of wood that just smacked into his body. And then he says, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. And then he goes on uh, in verse 26. In journeys often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, in the country, and perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, with what comes upon me daily, my concern for all the churches. But Paul's writing, now go back to where we were in Philippians chapter 1. And in Philippians chapter 1, Paul said, the, I want you to know the things that happened to me. Well, what things? We just read about a few of them in 2 Corinthians 11. All of those problems actually furthered the gospel work. Actually made the gospel work go forward. And he was stoned. He was left for dead. They threw rocks and stones at him. Somehow, I don't think I read that when we were reading through those verses. But, but uh, and, and they they threw rocks at him until they thought he was dead. And then they walked. They, after that, they drug him out of the city and they just left him there like trash. And uh, then Paul got back up and walked back in the city. And then he went on his missionary journey. And then when he came finished the next out, he came back to that same town where they just uh, abused him and stoned him. And no, not all of the shipwrecks are described in the scripture, but one of them is, we're not going to turn there, but in Acts 27 and 28, those two chapters describe one of those shipwrecks. Now, there were no missionaries going out to the little island of Malta, but God arranged a shipwreck that put Paul exactly in that place and in that time. And he, through the miracles that God allowed the apostles to do sometimes, uh, Paul was able to heal people and Paul was able to share the gospel with people. And Paul left a legacy on that island. In fact, there's a bay outside the, or on the side of the Isle of Malta. And that bay is called, to this day, St. Paul's Bay. And he left such a legacy on the island, they still remember it. And they call that day by his name. So Paul had to do, deal with a lot of difficulties in his life. So Kathy and I have said this often, when we're going through what feels like hard times to us, we think of believers that we know who live in very difficult circumstances, and we think we've got it a lot better than they do. And then we always come back to Paul. We got it a lot better than Paul did. You know, our difficult times are not that bad. But Paul didn't just have difficult circumstances. He also had difficult people. So he writes about that here. Look in verse 15. Some, indeed, preach Christ even from envy and strife. Some people were trying to stir up trouble, trying to make Paul suffer more. Uh, and then he says, some preach from goodwill. Some are doing the right thing. The former ones, the selfish, self-centered ones, they preach Christ from selfish ambition. 
not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. They're talking about the freedom in Christ and then they're pointing to Paul being in chains and they're trying to put him down. Instead of just lifting up Christ, they're trying to put down Paul at the same time. Um, you know, I had a pastor tell me once, three types of people I try and stay away from. Doctors, lawyers, and preachers. <laughs> There's some really weird preachers, okay? But they're all out there, right? They're, they're out here. But, but these preachers were self-centered and uh, antagonizing Paul and trying to make his life more difficult. They're supposed to be his partners in the gospel, but they weren't. And so then he goes on in verse 17, the latter ones, the kind-hearted ones who are doing it from goodwill, they do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Some are preaching Christ and encouraging Paul and, and uh, appreciating Paul because they understood his role in the church, that God had set up the plan for Paul's life. And then so how does Paul respond? What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. He said, you know what? Some people are not preaching accurately or kindly or graciously. I'm still going to rejoice that Christ is being preached. I'm going to rejoice in what God is doing. Um, so God is at work and Paul is on board. Even though God said, I'm going to send you to Rome, Paul was kind of excited that he was going to get to go to Rome and he was going to get to preach. God didn't tell him how he was going to get them there. Uh, but he got him there under arrest on a cargo ship with prisoners and got him to Rome after shipwreck and harassment and difficulties. He finally got to Rome and he's still in chains. I don't think that's the traveling methodology Paul would have chosen. But you know what he said? Christ is in charge. And I'm going to rejoice and serve Christ. So I want you to think about a few things from reading these passages of Scripture. The first is that every difficult circumstance in your life is an opportunity for you to show God's love and share his truth. Now that picture, the picture on the screen, is from uh, an incident out here on I-10. Uh, one of the worst accidents on I-10 uh, in, in the Casa Grande area, one of the worst ever. Um, there was a farmer plowing a field a couple miles west of I-10, and he's just plowing in the field, a normal day, but you watch them plow in these fields, and when they're first breaking the ground, it stirs up a lot of dust. Well, there came a ground-level wind shear, which is extremely rare, and it picked up all that dust, and it was moving it directly toward the freeway. But it was coming perpendicular to the freeway, directly from the side. So people are driving down the freeway, and they're looking forward in traffic and looking in their mirrors at traffic. None of them are driving down the road looking directly to the side, and that's where this dust came from. And it came at a speed faster than 55 miles an hour came in. And so people are driving down the freeway and suddenly it was a brownout. They couldn't see anything. 
I was involved in one of those uh, brownouts when I was a kid. Our car got smashed up. Thankfully, we all lived just a little banged up, but uh, my siblings and my parents and I were all fine. The car was totaled. Uh, and we were in New Mexico, and, and it just it just suddenly came up. And only it was near White Sands, New Mexico, so there's a whiteout, but not a snow whiteout. But when you can't see anything outside the windows of your car, that's what it was that day. And one car put on their brakes and another car slammed into them and there were semis and pickup trucks and cars and they all smashed together and one of the semis burst into flames and then more than a dozen cars burst into flames and it was a horror to see the evidence of the fire on the scene. And, and that guy running in the picture, that was me while I was serving as a chaplain. Somebody snapped a picture of me going from one place to another and I was running from one part of the scene to another part of the scene. Now on that scene, it was very obvious that I was ministering for Christ. I was the chaplain called to help take care of people and encourage, so I did help a little bit with medical triage from those that, that were unable to be evacuated because the more serious cases were going before them. And I helped counsel people who were involved, who, who watched people die, who had friends in their car die, who I, I helped them and, and tried to counsel them and point them to Jesus Christ. And so I was definitely ministering for Christ on that difficult day. And in those circumstances, it was very easy for me to look back and see, yes, I helped this person and that person and this person. Um, I ended up having to go make a, a death notification to friends of ours whose two kids died in that accident. And I didn't, I didn't know who it was because they pronounced the name wrongly. The officer did when he and I then left to go do that. And, and they were people that we knew and people that we prayed about and cared about. And they just lost two of their kids. Uh, but you know, when you're in a situation like that, it's very obvious that you're ministering for Christ. Amen. But you know what? We minister for Christ in some not quite so obvious ways. Every circumstance in your life, that we could uh, kind of cross out the word difficult, and just say every circumstance in your life is an opportunity for you to show God's love and to share his truth. And so Joseph in the Old Testament, Daniel, Paul, God used specific circumstances of their suffering to give them the opportunity to share the truth of God's salvation before kings and rulers in multiple nations. God did that. And because of the shipwreck near Malta, the people on that island had an opportunity to be healed and to hear the message about Jesus Christ. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the opportunity to witness to the mightiest king on earth in that day. And, but it started with them being thrown into the fiery furnace. It didn't just happen. It happened because of the difficult circumstances. So um, your life is an opportunity to show God's love and share his truth on your difficult days in your difficult circumstances. Secondly, every difficult person in your life brings an opportunity for you to show God's love and share his truth. 
All right, honest confession time from everybody but Megan. How many of you have had a boss like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've experienced that. So uh, Megan works with me in the office. That's why I said everybody but her. She does that sometimes. One, one night, Sunday night or Wednesday night, she raised her hand. Pray for me. I'm having troubles with my boss. <laughs> Now, because of Jews trying to kill him, because that's what they were trying to do, Paul was transported to Caesarea, and he had an opportunity to witness before the local rulers there and also the king in Israel. So Paul witnessed to Jewish and Roman leaders in listen to these cities, Jerusalem, Caesarea, Simon, Malta, Syracuse in uh, Syracuse in Sicily, uh, Potiogi in Italy, and in Rome. All these cities, Paul got to witness to rulers, Jewish and Gentile rulers, in all of these towns, in all of these places, because of it started with people wanting to kill him. And that's what happened. Uh, the father of the prodigal son represents our loving Heavenly Father, the scriptures teach. And in the story, the historical reference Jesus gave, it, he had to watch his son walk away and mess up his life before he could see the son come back in repentance. And then the father could bring salvation. So you're going to have difficult people. You're going to have difficult days. You're going to have difficult circumstances. And every difficult person in your life is an opportunity for you to show God's love and to share his truth. Now, uh, at number three, as we follow Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to grow your patience, your endurance, and your long-suffering. Just like the fruit on this tree grows naturally from a healthy tree. The Holy Spirit's going to naturally grow these things in your life if you're following him. Now, when Paul started, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was a man who hated a lot of other people. He sought to destroy anybody who disagreed with him. He was a leader among the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were known for their self-righteousness and their bigotry. And Paul was right in the midst of them, and he was a leader among them. He was the only Pharisee given authority by the Sanhedrin to go to other cities and bring people back as prisoners. And yet, he trusted Christ. Before he trusted Christ, he would have never heard of Saul of Tarsus sacrificing for anybody. But after he trusted Christ as his Savior, he sacrificed for everybody. Uh, he became kind and gracious and an amazingly loving man. How did that happen? Because the fruit of the Spirit include the very attributes that are listed here that Paul wrote in Galatians 5, and that includes the long-suffering. At our bro brunch yesterday, one of the things we talked about was that we can just grow older or we can mature. You can do both, but some people don't. You know, the old adage, with age comes wisdom. Well, for some people, age comes alone. 
Yeah. <laughs> you need to intentionally seek wisdom and maturity. And believers should become less patient. I'm sorry, should become more patient. <laughs> I'm going to say that the correct way. One more time. Believers should become more patient. But some become grumpier and more cantankerous. They're quenching this Holy Spirit. They're not partnering with the Holy Spirit. They're not following Jesus Christ. They're following themselves and their own heart. They're not partnering with him. And so their life and the lives of others around them gets more difficult. Some of the sweetest, most kind people on the planet are believers who've walked with the Lord for years and they've learned to have these different fruit characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit show up in their lives and their long-suffering toward other people. They're more patient. They're more enduring. They're long-suffering. Also, spiritual maturity always leads to emotional maturity. Spiritual maturity always leads to emotional maturity. Look at verse 12. He said, The things which happened to me, including shipwreck and beating and whipping and stoning and all of that, actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Look at verse 18. So, wherever, however Christ is preached, whether in pretense or in truth, if Christ is preached, I will rejoice. Woo! I will rejoice because the truth of God is being shared. Now, there is a truth in the human condition that those who have endured the greatest hardships often have the greatest perspectives. Kathy and I met a couple when we were able to go and minister in Cuba, uh, which we did several times, and, and uh, we were able to partner with some believers there and encourage them. And one of them was this sweet lady who was so kind and so gracious and and you know her house was not very nice and her car was really bad uh, but they owned a car which was pretty remarkable one of the few people in their church that owned a car and and uh, we, we would look at she had joy and, and she was so excited to take what little she had to be able to serve the Lord and what a blessing to hang around with her and spend time with her. We'll see her again in heaven, but probably not till then, but what a blessing to have known her. Now, I don't know if you like climbing or you like hiking. I know there's a few of you who wouldn't be comfortable standing on that ledge like this person in the picture. I would like to put Jeff Miller up there and watch him lean out over that ledge. <laughs> so, you know, I would do it. I, I love hiking, I love being up there. But I'll tell you what, who has the best view in that scene? Somebody who stayed down in the valley or somebody went through all the difficulty to get there at the top? See, that's the one who has the perspective. The one who spent time in the trenches, the one who climbed up those steep caverns and you put forth the effort, you can end up on the top of the mountain with spectacular views in every direction. I stood on the top of several mountains, took a lot of work to get up there, and you could turn in every direction and just see this magnificent vista. They call 
this little hill on the south side of town. They call it CG Mountain. Because that's the closest thing to a mountain we have within 100 miles. Or, so uh, actually, Mount Lemmon's a little closer than 100 miles. But uh, you know, you can get up if you hike all the way to the flagpole there. You're on the highest point, and you can see all around, and it's pretty cool. Now, you cannot be, you cannot be emotionally immature and spiritually mature at the same time. Spiritual maturity always leads to emotional maturity. So nobody's perfect, uh, but if you have a habit of emotional immaturity, then you are consistently not thinking or acting spiritually. So there's kids, right? We got some kids in this room. Some of them are really nice kids. <laughs> now they're wondering, I wonder if that kids, I wonder if that's Okay. The, the truth is, all kids throw a fit at some point, right? But if they have a pattern of throwing fits, or being grumpy, or not respecting their parents, or yelling when they don't get their way, then that's proof they're not being spiritual. They have this emotional instability, which following the Lord, walking in the Spirit, would produce emotional stability. Adults who pout and fuss, they're not allowing the Holy Spirit to build this part of his fruit in their lives. And so believers should not be constantly complaining or filled with anxiety. Um, I, I had a friend who was so anxious, she made me nervous just to be around her. Because you never knew what, what trauma was going to take place in her life. It was exhausting. And we need to trust the Lord. Paul said, the very worst thing that happened to me, God used for good. Joseph said, the evil his brothers meant against him, God used for good. And so when you have spiritual maturity, you're going to develop emotional maturity. All right? Now, this does not mean that Jeff is not spiritually mature because he doesn't like standing on the peak of the mountain. My wife doesn't either. Uh, she would think that was a weird thing to do. Uh, in fact... Most people will. But those of us who know the truth <laughs> hang our heads over and say, This is so cool. <laughs> yes, yes, my wife says I am a little weird sometimes. <laughs> but but listen, kids who learn to follow the Lord Jesus Christ can learn to control their emotions. Adults who learn to follow Jesus Christ can learn to control their emotions. They fit. Spiritual maturity always comes with emotional maturity. So if you're not emotionally mature, then you're not spiritually mature. You need to grow in this area. Now there's one last thing that Paul shares here in verse 14. He says that, Many of the brethren, most of the brethren in the Lord are becoming more confident because of what Paul was going through. And this is your ability to endure inspires others. Your ability to endure inspires others. You, you get excited. You watch people. I, I've known kids who would watch an event on television, a sporting event, and they'd say, I want to do that. 
I'm going to try that. Uh, you know, I, when I was two years old, I watched a marine amphibious landing in uh, on Camp Pendleton in California, and I said, I'm going to do that someday. Well, it was a lot more fun to look forward to doing it than actually being in it and doing it. But, but we see in the sports world all the time, a player steps up or gets back up, and then the whole team rises to the occasion because this one has inspired you know, in, in a running race, a team event, and or, or a skiing event, uh, I've seen uh, they, they come along and they get their teammates to come with them, and pretty soon there's several of them going together and encouraging each other because one person encouraged them. So we're very aware this happens in sports, but we're also aware it happens in politics. It can happen negatively, where one person can lead a whole bunch of people astray, like... Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany, but it can also happen positively, like William Wilberforce, uh, the great um, parliamentarian in England, who argued constantly against slavery. His personal warfare led to the abolishment of slavery in England decades before they finally abolished it in the United States. He, he led the charge he led the fight. And so that one man changed the course of history for that nation. And so we can have the same impact. It doesn't just happen in sports or in politics. It also happens spiritually. Daniel's endurance encouraged Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Paul's endurance encouraged Timothy and Titus and others. When the apostles were beaten, and behave or treated horribly. They still bravely witnessed for Christ and all the other believers were encouraged to stand up and stand true because they could look at those people and say, we can do it because they can do it. Amen. Now, some of you who've been around here for a long time, you, you'll remember Zora Locke. Some of you adults were kids when Zora was here. But, she was a faithful member here for years. And uh, I remember one time she was sitting uh, right about where Donna is sitting today, and we were singing her favorite song. It was her favorite song. Uh, she, um, oh, it was Shine Jesus Shine. That was her favorite song. And so she was sitting about where Donna is, and, and she got up to her feet, which she often didn't because she was in pain all the time. She got up to her feet and she was holding on to the chair in front of her. And her eyes were closed and she was just pouring her heart out in song to the Lord. And I happened to be up here on the platform while that song was being sung. And I got to see that and I was so encouraged by what she was modeling her faith in Christ and singing it out. And then after the service, I was talking with her and some of my kids were gathered around there. And Zora, I, I, I said, how are you doing today? And she said, well, I'm hurting. I'm hurting bad every day. She said, well, I can hurt here or I can hurt at home. I'd rather hurt here. Amen. And you know, my kids talked to me about that. They said, that's the way I want to be when I get old, like you. Oh. <laughs> they wanted to model that because they saw in Zora this desire to gather together with other believers. Now, there's times when you can't. 
Teresa is not able to be here with us today. Uh, last year, I missed Sundays several in a row because of health issues that I had. That happens, but uh, when you can, be here and encourage other people and help them and, and rejoice together because you're going to hurt no matter where you are. Amen. Just, you know, might as well hurt here. Now, don't go home and tell everybody, yeah, I listened to Pastor's message and it really hurt. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. But, but be willing to endure some discomfort. Now, if you've got a hacking cough, yeah, stay home and watch it on TV or on, on the internet, watch our, our live stream. But your ability to endure will inspire other people. As my kids and I were inspired by Zora, you will be an inspiration to others if you endure but all endure, and most of the believers were strengthened because of that. See, one characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Long-suffering. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to mature this part of your life? Is it growing in you? Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.